0: My point is, is that God has people in the world that don't know the Lord, that don't know what you know right now, right this moment, not six months from now, not six weeks from now. I'm telling you, there's an assignment right now for every person sitting in this room for someone who doesn't know the Lord. They're called to prayer Mountain because i tell you what, we're not called to church hop. We're not looking for people to be coming to this church who are somewhere. I mean, I'm saying if somebody, if God sends them, you know, we'll receive them. We are called to go get those that are sitting in darkness, that are tired of living in the darkness, that are looking for the light, don't even know what they're looking for. They just know they're tired. There are tired people right now that you are the answer to prayer for. They may not even know how to pray right. They just know they're crying out in their hearts for something. And I'll say this, so it matters. There is a point of all this. It matters how you treat the things in this body because the way they come in, they're going to be looking at you. And if we don't esteem it, why in the world would, we, would a new believer esteem it? I'll tell you what. When I came into the Living Word and I didn't know Jack from Jill, I didn't know up from down, God gave me a dream. And he said, you're going to go to that place. That person is an apostle. Bill Winston is an apostle. And whatever that man says, you're going to do it. And you're going to do it without question. You know? And I, do, I know we're busy. I know we have lives. I know we're, a lot of us are very spiritually mature. But you're not too mature. But you can't learn something. And you can we're not we're not so busy we're not doing encounter weekends every weekend we don't have a million activities going on, I'd like to see you at those core values trainings because God is doing something for you so I'm going to let it go with that, but I I want to see you there, but I, I do want you to be a part of that because you're the examples you're the folks that that, that are assigned to people that are coming, all right the other thing I'm losing I'm losing angels right now to go get your assignments to people, and I'm taking whatever whatever has been Hindering that assignment to someone. There's, a, I'm telling you, there's a personal assignment to everybody in this room right now. I can feel it in the spirit, and I can feel the hearts of those people that are waiting for you, waiting for you to disciple, waiting for you to be the answer, waiting for you to love them. Mercy's going to be moving in with Tracy. This is such a divine appointment, you guys. This is just one example. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying you got to move in with the people. <laughs> don't hear me. I didn't say that, okay? You don't have to submit to that. Amen? But I'm telling you, there is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a person who doesn't know Jesus. They might think they know. It's a person who is not in church right now. There's an unchurched person right now with your name on it. And I know, don't get so caught up in our own lives. Let's not be so inward focused in our, in our church walk that we can't go get that person. That's waiting for Jesus. You know, I remember the believer that courted me. I remember the believer that took me to living word. I remember thinking, I'm never going back to that church. Even though that believer was nice. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I remember God using that believer and using that church. I remember how God did that. And I know probably if I took the mic around, there's lots of stories like this. But There was someone who was a divine connection. I'm stopping everything in the service this morning because these people are real people. And they're called to be a part of this body, and you're the connection. You are the one. You're the one that's been handpicked. And I don't know if it's Craigslist. I don't know how. I mean, you just hear. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that person is supposed to come. I don't know if it's a coworker. I have no idea. But I just release the grace of God on you to make that connection and the love of God over you for you not to be able to just sit by and do nothing. Amen. Okay, all right. Well, let's receive an offering. We have quite a bit of ways to go. Ways to go here, guys. I want to remind you if you've made pledges, make sure you're honoring those. And if you haven't, please do. And we're just gonna, you know, if you divide that up by how many folks are here, it's not that much. When you look at the number, it seems big, but um, we're about a thirty-four hundred dollar deficit. And so, Father, I just thank you right now that you're prospering us in a way. Just you can make out your checks to Prayer Mountain. Uh, You can get an offering envelope behind this chair and if you need to give by debit or credit card, I'm just going to pray because I just feel the I hear I feel the spirit of prayer on this morning. Father, I thank you for what you are doing in people's finances. I thank you for increase. I thank you that we are on the verge of a financial breakthrough that is bigger than anything we've ever experienced. And I hear even the Lord saying, "Don't doubt me. Don't doubt me. Don't doubt that increase is on its way." And Lord, I thank you that we're expanding our tents. We're expanding our our, our storehouses, God. We are making plans for increase. Peace. I declare that every person in this room is planning for increase right now. Whatever that looks like in every person's life, God, they're planning for increase. They're contacting financial planners. They're opening up new accounts, Father. They're they're seeking out investors, God. They're going after the witty inventions that you've given them. They're starting those businesses, God. They are getting those jobs and those assignments that you've told them where to go and what jobs to take, Father. They're blessed. They're blessed. They're blessed. They're blessed. blessed. Everything they touch prospers. Everything they do do increases, God. They're surrounded by favor. Favor is opening doors that no man can shut. It is absolutely causing impossible things to come to pass in their lives, Father. I I thank you for partnerships, new partnerships, new strategic alignments, God. I release, um, I don't know, some kind of attorney relationships, God, that are needed where things look like they've died, Father. This attorney knows how to restart it and and kick it back up, God. I thank you for inheritances, Father. I thank you for resolve um debts, Father. Thank you that there are, are supernaturally paid debts in this room, Father, that are causing increase because they don't have to make those payments anymore. And so, Lord, we thank you for that we thank you for increase on every side. We, we just receive it by faith. You said whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So I release faith to receive increase. I release visions of increase. I release dreams of increase. I release abundance, abundant mindsets God. I break off the lie that people are limited by their jobs and limited by their paychecks God. They're only limited by what they can believe. And so I release greater belief. I release millionaire faith in this house. I release, Father, entrepreneurial faith in this house, God. I release, Father, finances for visions that you have given people. I release first steps, second steps, third steps, God. And I release wholeness, God, in areas that have held people back from pursuing their destinies, Father. Any hindrance that, that has kept people from experiencing abundance, Father, I release wholeness into that area, God. I release finances for inner healing sessions, God, and rethink sessions, Father. I release finances for what needs to happen for people to get to the next level. And Lord, the budget is, is just done, God, because it's your church. And whatever, whatever heart issues need to be dealt with in us, Father, for that to just be a done deal, we give you permission to deal with it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Is that a prayer you can't agree with? Yeah? yeah? Amen. Awesome. Praise God. Well, we'll receive that offering, and I'm going to grab my Bible, and I'm going to go back to our foundation scripture well, for the year. How many of you remember what the foundation scripture is for the year? Who can yell it out? Well, I know you know it, Tracy, because you type it on the bulletin. Okay, well, it's on the bulletin in case you forgot. And every week, I want you just to take a moment and actually read your bulletin. And if you do, you'll be reminded of our our annual scripture for 2015. Sometimes I think it's just my job to, to remind you of what God is doing in your life. How many of you know life can just get us down into the natural realm? How I many of you know just putting the dishes away out of the dishwasher can, can, can put you back into the natural realm? Mowing the yard and putting gas in your car and just the natural things that we do can just make us think and fool us into believing that we're just natural people. Just living a natural life with a routine. Just a little mediocre routine where we get up and have our coffee the same way every day and we have our breakfast and we get in our car and we go to our workplace every day and it's just like the same old, same old, same old, same old. Well, let me just shake you out of that for a second because that is not who you are. Your life, by design, is supposed to attract angelic activity. Your day is supposed to be so supernaturally ordered that if you didn't have divine assistance, you wouldn't make it through the day. Just look at a day in the life of Jesus. Just read a couple of chapters in the Gospels and see, you know, how many miracles did he do just on a single day? How many divine appointments did he have with people that needed a touch from the Lord every single day? I'm telling you, you are God's answer to hell on earth. You are the answer to, you are God's answer. You are, you are his hope <laughs> of glory. <laughs> you are the hope of glory. You are the hope of glory in the darkest place. You have, every single person here has a word in due season for somebody every single day. And it's my job to wake you up. It's my job to shake you out of a natural slumber and remind you of who lives inside of you. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. You are not a mere human. And if you're living like one, you are carnal. I love you, but you're living according to the flesh. You're living according to your physical senses. You're limited by what you can see with your natural eyes, and it is a deception. You are created for exploits. You are created to transform wherever you find yourself. You are not a victim of circumstances or anything else. You are never under. You're the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. There are miracles in your mouth. You have the power to bring life to the deadest thing. Husbands, what are you speaking over your wives? Parents, what are you speaking over your kids? Single ladies, what are you speaking over your future husbands? Business owners, what are you speaking over your businesses? Right? What are we speaking over our households? Over What are you speaking? And some of you aren't speaking a thing. Some of you for sure are speaking the wrong things, but some of you aren't speaking a thing. You think that that it's your hard work that's going to make the difference. If you work, let me just say this, if you work in a... I'm just going to call it a secular workplace. Do you know that you are Adam in the garden in that place? Do you know that every conversation you have with a coworker is strategic? You know, I remember I have a mentor, Pastor Barlow, who went through his season i don't know how old he was. He was a young man, I believe, who worked at KFC now. You know, a lot of, of us, a lot of kids, a lot of folks would would, would just despise their time at KFC. You know, they would, they would complain, they would regret, you know, being at KFC. They would think, they would just, you know, just curse the whole thing. I don't want to be here. I'm better than flipping burgers and frying chicken and, you know, just whatever. But Joe Barlow knew that it was not by happenstance that he was put in that KFC. And he said, the Lord asked him, as he stood behind that register, he said, it still touches me to this day, he said, every person that comes in that room, in that door, is not an accident. He said, and I put you behind this cash register because there's something I need you to speak over their life. Now, he said, you smile at every single one of them because you represent me. And he said, you speak what I say over their food and over them. Every single customer I'm holding you responsible for. And how many of you know that was one of the best kingdom training assignments that that young man ever had? So I don't know what you're doing during the day. If you're going to college, I don't know where you're working. But first of all, the Lord's telling me, you repent over any way that you have complained, that you have dishonored, and you have not recognized that you are on assignment from Jesus Christ, that you represent the king of kings. You are an ambassador, and it is, not, it is not by accident that he opened the door for you to be there. And if you don't know heaven's agenda for that workplace, you are asleep, and he says you're operating like a spiritually handicapped person who is blind and deaf and dumb. He loves you, but he is expecting more from you. He's expecting you to recognize that there's an anointing in your hands, that when you touch someone, there's a release of power that and he's reminding me I'm going to share his testimony with you Some of you are so excited about your next assignment. You're so excited about the call of God on your life that you're missing the lesson of this season which is required to get you into the call of God on your life. Because I'll tell you what, if it was if you had already had it, you'd already be there. So you don't have it. And you can blame it on a whole bunch of stuff, but that doesn't help you. Blame game is a stupid game to play. All right? The better game is mirror mirror on the wall. <laughs> Who's the fairest of them all? Because the truth is it's you. And you hadn't recognized it yet and you're not acting like it yet. All right? And so God's reminding me. I had an assignment. This was my last corporate assignment before I was released into full-time ministry. I've never worked in any other job since that day. I mean, I've had my own companies, things like that, but I've never worked in a job for someone else before, since that day. I was ready to get out of that place. I was ready to just stop that. I was in sales. I worked for a company called PeopleSoft. I had a Jewish senior vice president that I worked for who didn't like me very much. Now, he might argue with that if you ever heard this. He probably would have said it's not personal, da, da 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 da. But I had had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ, and I was walking revival. So I was ministering on the streets. I, I would have little mini revivals in my cubicle. People would come to me. They'd pray. We had saw healings at work. I was operating supernaturally in my job. I would go to my clients like Kohl's and Motorola and Sears. and I would stand in the parking lot and point at buildings and say, in the name of Jesus, contract your coming into my hands. I would put my customer list on the floor, and I would command it to multiply. All right. I was operating supernaturally outside of ministry, full-time, unquote, unquote, ministry, which is such a lie because ministry is wherever we are. And I was in ministry. I just didn't recognize it. Um, But I remember this senior VP, my mom was, I mean, it was a crazy season. Mom's got pancreatic cancer. She's dying in Texas. I'm under this quota. And this VP comes to me and basically gives me a plan that said if you don't produce this much revenue in three months, you no longer have a job. Well, the problem was that with that is our quotas were annual. This was like mid-summer. And I don't think I'd had a great year so far. There'd been a lot going on. I hadn't sold a whole bunch. But I'd never not made my quota in all of my years in sales. And um, the real problem was our sales cycles were 12 to 18 months. So for you to come to me and say you've got to produce this much in three months, it was Naturally impossible to do that. Now, I had a choice to make. I could have chosen to start to despise this boss and start to think, hey, he's out for me. I could have taken on a victim mentality. This isn't fair. He just doesn't like me because I'm a believer. I mean, you you, you, you know how we do. I could have come with all that. I could have started looking for a new job. Because I figured, hey, I'm going to get fired in three months anyway. I'm out of here. I mean, you know, we could all those attitudes that we can take on. But I remembered that I was the head and I was the tail. I, was re, I remembered my call into ministry. And I remembered the Lord saying to me, man is not your source. I am your source. And if I choose to use a man, that'll be my prerogative. I remembered who God over PeopleSoft actually was. I remembered who the lawful owner of every single asset on the planet actually is. And so I decided to respond in an opposite spirit because that's how Jesus operates. And so I got there at work every single morning early and I brought my little anointing oil. And I would go around that office and I would anoint the whole dang floor. I specifically would go into little Steve Winter's office and I'd make sure and smear a whole lot on his chair. As I began to speak, I just thought, you know, devil, if you're going to mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. Because the last time I checked, Jesus already defeated you and you don't have rule and reign of this office or anywhere else I happen to be. Now, granted, thank God I had obeyed and gone to that church because I learned all this stuff from Daddy Winston. And I would march around that building, march around that building at lunchtime. I'd get my little, one of my little ministry student school students on the phone. She was going through ministry school with me, and we'd just begin to speak. We're like, this is Jericho, and the walls are coming down. And we'd just begin to speak. We'd just speak over that place, just speak, of, just marching around it like we owned it because we knew who did. And you know what? I only didn't get fired. Let me tell you something. In my 15 years of being in sales, I never had a customer ever call me and say, I need to place an order. That did not happen. Okay, you had to work and compete and do all this stuff. I'm telling you God was operating so powerfully during this season He was also teaching me how to start to use the gifts that were around me, and so he would confound my speech if I would be in a in a meeting with a team full of people i couldn 't say a word that made sense why because he wanted the, he wanted the team to do, well here 's what happened the team did all the work literally by the end of the three months i 'm sitting in a hotel room while people are going out even negotiating and closing the contract. Well, I didn't have anything to do, but just, I mean, I'd mess it up if I opened my mouth. So I just was in the room reading the Bible. And I ended up not only not getting fired, but I entered the, the number one salesperson in that company. And you know how I did it? By grace and through sonship. So don't tell me how bad it is. I recognize it may not be great, but that's the point. Because here's the thing. These circumstances will reveal whether you're an orphan or whether you're a son, whether you know your authority or whether you are clueless about what belongs to you. And I'll say this, thank goodness that I had those seasons you know we all want to get to the next thing but the next thing is harder than this thing (laughs) FYI you don't get to the next thing and then skate no there's giants in the land they're sitting on your destiny they're sitting on your stuff they're sitting on your inheritance. They're sitting on what you have been called to be and do. There are giants sitting on it. Amen? And the only way to possess it is by faith. The only way, the vision that God has spoken over your life the only way it's going to come to pass is by faith. It's going to come by faith. And there's a process of revealing to you how much, you know, but, but how much faith you have or don't have. Right? Nobody likes that. You know, it's not that bad, really, because Jesus is in the boat with you. So if you do act like a fool, and you do, you know, you're in the storm and you're thinking, we're going to die. You know, I mean, Jesus is right there with you. He's going to say, peace, be still. Oh, ye little faith. Where's your faith? I mean, he, he's training you in the midst of it all. Amen. But my job is to make sure you stay awake. Stay awake. And let me tell you this. I was sharing another, this week as well. How many of you know you can do the right thing with the wrong motive? And that matters. Amen? So I could have been in there anointing Steve's, Steve's, you know, chair, my senior VP's chair, out of spite, out of pride, out of arrogance, not out of love. And the word tells us, as Catherine read last week in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have the power, all kinds of power. You can move mountains. You can raise the dead. You can do all these things. You can be the number one sales rep. You can overcome all of that. But if you don't have love, well, it doesn't count. So it's not just sonship does these things, but from the right motive. And what that means is you look beyond how those people that you think meet Jesus are acting and you see them as someone worth dying for. You see them as someone that is worthy of the blood of God and you serve them. You serve them like a servant, like Jesus. You take out your, your robe and you serve them because that's how the love of God Works and that's humility, and that is the spirit that leads to promotion. And if you can't do the humble thing, why in the world would you want to do the great thing? Amen. If you can't do the least thing, why would you be ruler over much? And it's not just about Doing it, it's about doing it with the right heart. Thank you, Jesus. But understanding that you're a son. See, when you're a son, putting on the role of the, 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 the garment of a servant doesn't identify you, it doesn't make you a slave just because you're dressed like one. You know, you could wrap Jesus up in any outfit. He's still Jesus. You could dress him up like a homeless man. You can dress him up like a, a convict. You can dress him up like anything. And it doesn't change who he is. Which is another one of the key reasons why we get put in places where our identity gets tested. Your identity gets tested to, 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 to prove not to God, he knows who you are, but to the enemy and to you that you know who you are. Those 40 days in the wilderness that Jesus went through being tested of the enemy was all about did Jesus really know who he was. And until we know who we are, we can't do what we've called, been called to do. Until we know who we are, we can't do what we've been called to do. I mean, we might be able to do it, but it's not going to look like Jesus. It's going to look like an orphan who's become a king, a slave who's become a king. And that's not fun. Amen? So, I'm going back to where I started, which was, what is our scripture verse for 2015? Ephesians 3.20, now to him who by inconsequence of the action of his power that is, work, is at work within us, now to him who by the... This is the Amplified, so it, it's hard to read. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think, Infantly beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. Now, I'll be honest. When I was walking around that building and I'm anointing the chairs and doing all of that, I didn't really know what was going to happen. I just knew that I wasn't quitting. I knew I wasn't moving. And I knew what the right thing to do was. The word says to bless those who curse you. To praise for those who despitefully use you. That when we're treated wrongly or unfairly, our response is to pray. That the words that come out of our mouth matter in that moment. Our response is not to gossip. Our response is not to talk behind someone's back. Our response is not to complain. It's not to murmur. It's not to curse. It's to pray. And I, I tell you right now, The bridle on our tongues needs to get adjusted. We are not designed to operate like the world. We are not designed to operate. It matters what we say. It matters. You know, I have no doubt that Ananias and Sephora died because Peter misused his tongue. Because Jesus told him, you have no idea what manner of spirit you're operating in when they wanted to call down fire. He didn't say you couldn't do it. He didn't say, oh, boys, if you do that, it won't work. Elisha had done it. You know? The word in James says that blessings and cursings come out of the same mouth, and it shouldn't be. And if death and life is in the power of our tongue, it says that death, we have the power. It's in the power of your tongue. You have the power to to kill or to edify. You have the power to bless or to curse. You have the power to pray or to curse. And if we're expecting prayers to come to pass, what makes us think the cursings don't come to pass? If you saw the movie Tomorrowland, that whole invisible world was ruled because there was a broadcast that was going on that was causing people to believe the end of the world was coming. And because they believed the end of the world was coming, they were bringing the end of the world. I'm telling you, that's the scheme of the enemy. He gets you to get into agreement with a prophetic future and a prophetic destiny for yourself or others that is not the will of heaven. And so he uses our own power against us. Because the truth is, he's able to do beyond your... So let's say you pray something crazy, like crazy good, like your your best prayer. Like, I'm like, you know, hey, Steve Winters not only saved, but, man, he's, he's saving the nation of Israel. You know, I'm just crazy. Highest thing you can think of to bless that other person with. And God's doing super abundantly above all of that. We have access to a supernatural way of operating that is infinitely above, super abundantly above all we can ask, all we can think, all we dare to imagine. So my point is, how good are we thinking of other people? How good are we thinking about the things that are going wrong in our life? How good are we thinking about our finances? How good are we thinking about our spouses? How good are we thinking about the people around us, the sandpaper people? How good are we thinking about the sandpaper people? You know, I was recently having trouble loving one of these sandpaper people. And I told the Lord, I was like, I don't know how to love that. There's some behaviors that are so off. I don't know how to love this person. And he said, well, that's not them. I'm not asking you to love that. He said, I'm asking you to love them. Did you forget who they were? Have you seen them lately? And sometimes, you know, we all go through those sandpaper seasons where it's hard to see who we really are. We You know, we just go through whatever we're going through. And so our our real identity gets buried over whatever the trigger happens to be at that moment. But we're not to come into agreement with the person who is acting out. So God's not asking us to love the acting out. He's asking us to come into agreement with who he really is. You know, I remember when the Lord showed me my husband long before my husband knew who he was. And he told me this, patience is required. In due seasons, you you will reap if you faint not. And he said, he is your husband. He's in ministry with you. He's the father of your children. He's a mighty man of valor. Well, he looked like a beer-drinking construction worker. I love him. He was a handsome beer-drinking construction worker. <laughs> he looked good, but the point was, God had more for Brian. Brian has so much for Brian. Matter of fact, God's had to has had to has had to hide it from Brian so he doesn't freak out. That's the truth. He'll tell you that's the truth, and it's been a process over decades now, decade plus, of him slowly revealing it to Brian. In increments, and that he could digest. Amen. And as a wife who is the influencer, how many of you know Eve's got the influence? Amen. We got the influence as a wife. It's important that I see my husband the way Jesus sees my husband and remind him to be who God says he is, whether he's in agreement or not. Matter of fact. You know, wives, I encourage you just to talk to your husband like he really is. It'll freak him out. But it's good for him. You know? But it's not just your husbands. It's every person on the planet. We're children of light, whether they know Jesus or not. What do you mean they're children of light? Well, did Jesus die for them? Yeah, he died for them. They're forgiven. The fact that they don't know it, the fact that they don't receive it, the fact that they don't get the benefits of it, doesn't change the way God sees them. You know? God calls things that be not as though they are. So that tells me that he calls everybody that's an unbeliever a believer. We might as well, too. Charles and Francis Hunter, who are some of my favorite healing evangelists on the planet, you know, they, they would just freak people out with a miracle. And, you know, they I don't know, Frances used to make me laugh because, you know, they're both gone to go to the Lord now. But she just always seemed like she just had a martini. You know, she had that voice and she would just talk like I just smoked a smoke and had a martini. I just liked her. I liked the way she carried herself. Because she would just disarm them. Oh, honey, let me just pray for you." You know, she'd just, she'd go in low and next thing you know, they've got a miracle before they even knew what happened. You know, and she'd just pray for anybody, anywhere, just, you know, just didn't even care. You know, and... She said, I would talk to people like they knew Jesus. I'd just act like they were crazy if they didn't know Jesus.
1: Oh yeah, you know
0: Jesus. I mean, you know, just talk to them like they knew Jesus. And so pretty soon they did know Jesus. Why? She was calling things that, that were not as though they were. Amen. And I'm going to tell you this, if we're going to get to where we're headed, you're going to have to speak differently. You're going to have to see things differently. You're going to have to take up things in the realm of the spirit and call things that be not as they are. You're going to have to take your Adam assignment and tend the garden where you've been put. If you want promotion, the path is right where you are. It's humility right where you are. You're not waiting to be humble. And guess this, humility actually does exactly what I'm talking about. This is all humility. Why? Because there's not a bit of self in any of it. It's the agenda of heaven for other people, for workplaces, for your family. It's the getting in agreement with the agenda of heaven. Amen? And you just don't get in agreement when people are acting crazy. If people are acting unloving or if people are acting selfish, if people are acting whatever, however they're acting, you just don't get in agreement with that. And I don't care how much of an unbeliever they are. You know, the church is famous for this. I mean, we're just famous for making the enemy, like, more powerful than he actually is. Love never fails. Man, that that means it's a track record. They has never lost a game. Undefeated. Love is undefeated. Love is undefeated. If you want the victory, then love. If you want the victory, then love. That's why I love Keep Your Love On because it tells you how to let love win. In every situation, how to let love win how to not retaliate, how to not reject, how to not walk away, how to not gossip, how to not do those things, how to not triangulate in your communication, how to, how to own what you need to own and, and, and apologize. There's some people in here that they just need to learn how to apologize. They, just the humility just to apologize. The humility just to listen. The humility just to see another person's perspective. And I know this, God sets himself against the proud. So you can learn the easy way or you can learn the hard way. God corrects those whom he loves. And so if we continue to resist, if daddy keeps telling us like Catherine says, you stay in the yard, you stay in the yard, don't go on the street, don't go in the street. You keep going in the street, you're going to get spanking. Why? Because it's not safe for you to be in the street. And it's not safe to operate in pride. It's not safe to operate outside of humility. It's not safe to be a person that, you can, that can't apologize. It's not safe to be a person who can't listen to another person's perspective or hear that. It's not safe to assume the worst. It's not safe to gossip. It's not safe to curse. It's not safe to be negative, to murmur, to complain, to blame. Those are not safe things. Amen? Awesome. Well, I just want us, there's some folks in here that just need to repent about the attitude that they've carried In certain situations, maybe it's a workplace attitude. Maybe it's an attitude towards who knows what. I don't know what it is. Towards your husband, towards your wife, towards your kids, towards something. But you need to repent. You need to own, Lord, I have not been acting nice. Or I have not, not nice even. I haven't been acting in love. Sometimes you act timid. And that's not love. Sometimes you don't confront. Sometimes you just avoid. I don't know what the behavior is, but Father, I, I just declare that we are repenting today. Whew. In the way that we've handled some things. But I also see, Lord, that you're, you're using those situations to bring us up higher in our love walk. And you're using those situations to teach us what sonship looks like, You're using those situations to show us what love looks like and you're teaching us how to love. And Lord, I just, especially with sandpaper people, wherever those sandpaper people may find themselves. And Lord, we just choose to forgive sandpaper people. Man, no matter how old or how young they are, some parents need to forgive their kids for being sandpaper people. (laughs) <laughs> yeah some wives need to forgive their husbands we just need to forgive and not just forgive but lord we just ask you to change us change us where there has been harshness convert that into gentleness god whether there has been fear father convert that into courage god when there, whether there has been wrong speech, God, convert that into righteous talk. Where there has been wrong meditations, God, just convert that into righteous meditations and things that are pure and lovely and of good report, Father. Where there has been negativity, Father, we ask you to to move and give us a positive outlook, Father. Where we have not um, picked up the assignment that we're supposed to be carrying, God, whether that's as a head of our house, or whether that's a, a work assignment, or whether that's a friendship assignment, or whatever the assignments are, Father, to parent, or to disciple, or or whatever, Father, uh, to love in all the various places you've called us to, to do that, Father. we just, we give you permission to bring correction. Ah, can we just say that together? Because I know Catherine taught it last week, and we talked about correction, but you know, a lot of times we don't want correction, but here's the deal. How many of you want the promised land? We want the promised land, but we don't want correction. Well, that's the path. It's a humble path. It's a place where you, uh, it says that, you know, the wise man loves correction. It's wisdom to love correction. But you know what? It takes a level of um, security to be corrected. And a lot of times when we, 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 we don't like to be corrected, it's because we're wounded. And we think that to get corrected means there's something wrong with us. And so, God, I just release your healing in that place where people have believed there's something wrong with them, where there's been a childhood trauma or an experience that happened, God, where they believed a lie that there is something wrong with me. And I ask you to reveal the truth to them in such a way that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that who they are is totally separated from what they do right and wrong and that it Correcting behavior is no big deal. It's just instruction in righteousness. Correcting communication ways. Correcting ways of seeing things. Correcting ways of speech. Correcting ways of of acting, Father, is you loving them. And, Father, I pray for um, the right corrective thing to come into their life, Father, And I pray for grace and I pray for um, grace to have gentle correction over people, Father. Just gentle correction, God. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I I thank you, Father, um, that we are quick to own what we're not doing correctly. Let us be leaders, let us be people, Father. That it's just easy for us to say, you know what? What I was doing just was acting out of character in Jesus' name. And I'm going to end with just this. I'm going to give an example of this. Um, this is something I really hold as a very high core value. Because, um, you know, we're all going to miss it. Maybe this afternoon. You know, <laughs> we're just going to miss it. But it's not so much that we miss it. It's that we own that we miss it. You know, and, um, you know, not too recently, I was having with one of the folks that I work with on a regularly basis, um, you know, I have a issue, I'm getting better, but I didn't really have a, a voice growing up. You know, I, my, my parents were kind of an old school where you just, you know, you just do what I say and you sit there and, you know, and you just... Whatever, there was just a, a, a time when I just didn't feel like I had a voice. And there, you know, I've been working through this stuff with Nate and I've come a really, really long way. But, you know, how many of you know um, along the process you get an opportunity to see how much healing you have? And, you know, I work with a couple of really strong personalities. You know, I'm a strong personality. That person's a strong personality. I'm not as strong as I used to be. But, you know, I can still be strong in certain areas. And, you know, I just felt like I wasn't being heard. And, you know, I didn't act out crazy, but I didn't act out, I think could feel it internally. The truth is, I don't know if I acted out or not. But I could feel internally, I could feel that thing rising up in me. And I did say, you guys aren't listening to me. Now, granted, inside it probably sounded like I screamed it. Um, so after the meeting, I called the person. And I said, you know what, I just want to bring this up. I said, you know, we work together a lot. And I said, sometimes I feel like you're not listening to me, and I feel like I don't have a voice, and I need to share that with you. And I said, I'm going to own maybe the way that I handled that. If I, if I came across in a certain way, let me know, because I, I, I don't want to do that. Even if, I, even if I am in a place where I don't have a voice, there's a way for me to handle that. And, um, you know, that, that person, well, I, let me pray about it or whatever. About maybe three weeks later, they said, hey, that time when we were in the car and da-da-da-da-da happened, was that an example of it? I mean, I had forgotten about it, hadn't even thought about it, I said, yeah, that's an example of it. And then I went back, because we were meeting when that all happened with someone who doesn't come to this church, and so I went back to those people, and I said, hey, I just want to let you know, the last time we got together, I don't know if you were aware of it or not, but just the way that I handled that situation, that was not the way God would have handled that situation. I didn't accurately represent his love. That's not the kind of leader I am. I'm a kind of leader that if I do something wrong, I own it, because that's the kind of the way I expect the culture of what I lead to be. And I said, so I need to do this, and I apologize. And they were like, well, gosh, we didn't even notice anything. We don't know what you're talking about. I said, that's okay. I did. (laughs) And so I just needed to own that. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm sharing that with you not to let you know, not to just, like, pump me up or whatever. It's something that because this is how I live, and I don't care if it's my kids. I don't care if it's my team. I don't care about who it is. If I am acting out of love, I'm going to own it. Now, you may have acted crazy. You might have acted out of love. You might have been just as bad or worse than me. That's not my problem. It's totally not my problem. And But I'll say this. When you can start to be a person that can own your problem, you'll be safe for others to own theirs. And until we can get enough wholeness that we can be people like this, amen, we're not accurately representing Jesus. It's not that God expects us to be perfect, okay? He expects us to be teachable and to be correctable. And I'll tell you, this is one of the fruits, by the way, of all those sessions that I have done. Because in the past, when you are that broken and you do feel like something is wrong with you, to admit you did something wrong means you're wrong right? And when that thing gets healed, you can totally separate that. It's not, you know, I actually enjoy it. I actually enjoy it now. The other day I called one of my spiritual leaders. I called a spiritual leader because there was something in my heart that was not right. I took it into sessions. I got it dealt with. And then I called them and I said, you know what? I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you as the tears started to come up when I said it. And that's how you know that's humility. Because there's something that comes up and you're being humbled right in that moment. And I could feel it coming up. I could feel that thing coming up. And I said, you know what? There's things that you do that bring up wounds in me. And it's not pretty, but I thank you. Thank you for being that person in my life. And I want to tell you, I appreciate you. And I appreciate that God chose you to be that person. And I said, you know what? I'm that person for other people, and I know it's not fun. I know it's not fun to be the one that God uses to touch that thing. I said, but I want you to know that I know that that's what's going on, and I appreciate it. Now, let me tell you, I didn't always appreciate it when it was coming up two weeks before. I didn't appreciate it. It hurt. It, it, it was. It, I really wanted it to be about him. I really wanted it to be about what they were doing and what they were saying and about my right to be right and the things that I saw for it to be. That's not biblical. The truth of the matter, that was. I do not concern myself with things that are too wondrous for me. It is not my place to correct my spiritual authority. It is my place to submit to however they see that God has actually told them to do it. And, you know, after I got healed, I didn't even care. After I took it into a session and after I dealt with that thing, I mean, he could have stood on his head, tripped around five times, and blah, blah, blah. What is that to me? I literally didn't care. I wasn't trying to choke it down like, oh, I'm going to submit to this. and. It's like literally I didn't care. I could just be free. But you know what? Most of us are not aware of how spiritual authority is being used in our life to bring up what needs to be healed. And I get that I'm that in this house. I get that. I get that. And just like I told him, that is not fun all the time. It's really not. And hopefully some of you guys get to be the trigger enough so you can actually get a taste of that because it will help you. (laughs) It will help you when you're in the trigger rather than being the trigger. You know what I mean? But I just felt like I was supposed to share that because I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing. And if I did, that would be hypocritical, and it would be about me being puffed up in some way that I do not want to be. I want to be the real thing. I want to be a leader that is modeling who Jesus is. I have not arrived, but I will own it in ways that I have not. And anyone that has been with me for more than five minutes can tell you that's true. So with that said, I just feel like the Lord is expecting more of us. I literally do. I feel like he's calling us up this morning to be the leaders and the people and the moms and the dads and the spirit and and in work just in all kinds of areas he's calling you up to be the friend, to be the mentor, to be the boss that he's created you to be you are you are you are in wherever you are in your little sphere of influence wherever that is right now you are the I hear him say you're the man for the job Dustin you're the woman for the job Tracy I hear him just saying I handpicked you for that thing because of who you are and yes I'm doing a work in you in the midst of it so don't be blind to what I'm doing in you in the midst of it let me have my way Let me perfect you. Stay in that place of teachability. Stay in that place of humility. Stay in that place of representing me well. You can apologize when you need to. You can confront when you need to. You can be a powerful person because that's who I've created you to be. Amen? Amen. We're blessed. We're highly favored. And I'm just going to speak this over you. I just hear the Lord saying, you are amazing parents. You are amazing leaders. You know, Maria, you're an amazing teacher. Okay, I just hear the vocations. You're just an amazing manager. You're an amazing massage therapist. You are an amazing wife. You are an amazing, uh, just, you're just amazing. I hear God saying, whatever I have called you to do, you are anointed to do it. There is so much inside of you. And I hear him saying, your tongue. Your tongue is this choice silver that you have have money in your mouth. You have gold in your mouth. You have glory in your mouth. You have transformation in your mouth. You have healing in your mouth. Man, this is such a small thing, but the Lord is speaking to me right now, and it, it ministers to me. The furnishings in your homes right now are going to be replaced. That is so random with new stuff. I just hear him saying, bless your homes, bless your atmospheres. He says, through wisdom, a house is built. (laughs) Hey, through understanding, it is established on a solid foundation and through knowledge, its rooms are filled with precious and pleasant treasures. And I hear him saying, there is wisdom in your mouth. There is knowledge in your mouth. And he says, speak to your homes, speak to your homes, possess your homes, release excellence, the excellence of heaven in every area. I mean, in your silverware drawers, in your pantries. I just hear him in your garages. Release the excellence of heaven. There's upgrades coming. There's furniture. There's homes and things. Just, I just, I, I, for whatever that's for, praise God, we receive that. Father, thank you. I just see heaven being released in every area of our lives. So speak this, guys. Poverty is nothing more than bad talk. Poverty is a fruit of bad talk. Change your speech, change your mind, change your mindsets, and watch the outside match. Amen? Now, some guys are like, oh, I don't care about it. You know what? There's new things that you need, tools, and I don't know what you need. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but it's in your mouth. Excellence, excellence. I hear God saying excellence. You're surrounded by excellence. Don't allow shabby carpet in your house. If you have shabby carpet, you speak to that carpet. You say, you get out of here, new carpet, come in. I'm telling you. And I speak right now to everything in Prayer Mountain. You know what? I meant to tell you guys this. I have raised over half of what we need to purchase this building. I have a, a loaner, a loan, a loan, the person that will loan us over half of what we need to buy this building. I'm speaking with the next person this week. This building is ours. So I just release that over you guys. I could keep going because I just... Lord is just like, woo! just call things, call things, call things, call things, call things. This is a week to call things. We repent, God, for how we've been calling things wrong. And we just get our mouth filled with good things, filled with good treasures, filled with increase, filled with beautiful things that represent you well, filled with glory, filled with heaven. Amen. We just speak over our lives. Amen? Because you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, all that we think, all that our highest prayers. You're able to do it in Jesus' name. Amen? If you're going to curse something, curse that stuff that's not like heaven. If you're going to speak death to something, you speak it on purpose. Amen? You curse that lousy stuff. Amen? (laughs) Say, get out of here in Jesus' name. All right. Well, you are loved. You are blessed, and it's an honor, you guys, to stand before you each week. All right. Bless you, bless ya. We've got encounter ministers. We've got um, this week. We have um, Dustin's coming up. He's going to be praying with folks. We've got uh, Lisa, who's going to be praying for healing, and then Catherine too is going to be floating around, releasing the glory wherever it needs to be released. So, all right. Come on down, prayer people. And, uh, if you need prayer or would like a word or whatever, come on up.